You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and today is a very special episode. It's because we have somebody as a guest from one of the companies that I worked at, which I love and adored, Avalara. So I'm excited that Susan Norgard is joining us to talk about the perils of marketing attribution. Susan, welcome to the show. Hi, Asher. Uh, you know, good to be reunited. It's, it's been a few years since we've worked together, but always good to chat with you again. Terrific. So Susan, tell our guests or tell our audience, how did you get to Avalara? What are you doing there? And what are you specifically working on these days? Well, the how I got to Avalara, um, I mean, seems like a long time ago, I guess, because it was just seven years, a few days ago, actually. So I um, kind of found Avalara by accident, but it was it was a happy accident. So I was moving from South Carolina to Seattle, just sort of quit my job, decided to come west and find a new adventure, um, found Avalara and didn't quite know what I was getting myself into with a, a commute via ferry, but <laughs> um, it's been a great place for me to, to learn and to grow. Um, and it's been, yeah, like you were there for, for many of those first years. So, you know, some stories that are not quite uh, podcast appropriate, perhaps, but um, it's, it's been a great experience there overall. It was, it, was, it was an awesome time. So what are you doing specifically at Avalar today? So today I um, do sales and marketing analytics. So the scope of my role, um, you know, has changed a little bit, expanded more recently, which means more problems to solve, but it also means I get to have a greater impact on teams that are closely aligned. So it just makes a lot of sense. So specifically some of the projects I'm working on right now are they're big strategic projects, but I'm really excited to um, see where the data is going to take us. Um, A lot of what I'm doing is, working to build out new reporting frameworks, moving us away from some of the status quo um, dimensions that we were using to report on the business. Um, And these will give us a lot more flexibility and agility and analyzing our business, identifying opportunities and risks, um, and really getting true insights into what's happening. So I'm excited about all the work that's going into it and having um, a much more robust team now in our analytics space than, than when you were there. So you didn't get to <laughs> reap all of the data rewards, but um, I'm happy about where we are now. Well, sounds like in six months, we need to invite you again to tell us about what you're working on today. Yes, but... hopefully a success story. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive into the topic of marketing attribution, because this is one project that I had a chance to work with you. And I understand, I remember like how much discussion we had. There was a bunch of debate about it. And then we finally got to it. And then, and then, and then many, many years after that, I believe it's still going on. So... Let's start with just defining marketing attribution because we make sure that when guests come to this show, they define the concept. And so can you define marketing attribution for us? Yeah, I'm going to give you like a really simple um, response to this. You know, I would say from my perspective, most simply put, it's just 
assigning value to specific touch points or events in a prospect or customer journey. Uh, for us at Avalara, that's primarily campaign responses, but for other companies that may be digital touch points, um, page conversions, et cetera, a combination of online and offline touches. Superb. So let's dive into it. Why do people care about multi-touch attribution? So from my perspective, I think, you know, marketers are intrinsically motivated they want to understand their contribution. They want to know that they're making a difference, that their work is meaningful, right? So people care about multi-touch attribution because many models that were standard prior to, um, that were in widespread use that many companies still use, including us at Avalara, are like first touch and last touch. And depending on what your role is and sort of your channel, right? You may not be seeing that your efforts represented in those models. So people want to have the opportunity to see what their contribution is to revenue and to the business strategic goals, um, not just how many you know, clicks they generated or how many leads, right? It helps them better understand how they fit into the big picture. Superb. I mean, I remember at Avalara, we were all about leads, ops, deals. I mean, I still can like sometimes wake up with nightmares of like, where's my leads, ops, and deals? <laughs> yeah, those last few days of the month could be a little stressful for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the urgency around that, you know, and people like sharing a common goal is great. But now as we've just sort of grown, we've got so many different people and so many different teams. And, you know, having a more holistic view with multi-touch also helps people understand better understand how they can work together. So it's not fight, you know, it's not a zero sum game where people are fighting for their share of the credit to show their value, right? Because nobody wants to feel like in the, if the reporting doesn't represent the, their effort and the good work that they're doing, so. 100%. And so when I started working with you on this project, we were, you were a little, a little bit, a few months into the project already, but how did this, whole project started Avalara? Like, how did you approach it? So at Avalara, we, like many other companies at the time, decided that multi-touch attribution, you know, was going to give us the answers that we needed. We were using a combination of first touch and last touch for some metrics um, for attribution modeling. And then I think it was 2017, we decided, you know, multi-touch was what we needed because it was going to solve all our problems, right? And all the disputes between teams um, for, you know, was something coded correctly or not, you know, should the credit have gone to a different team? Um, and so we created a task force with, you know, our marketing leaders and operational, um, team members, as well as, you know, I was driving most of this. Um, so we identified out the steps that we needed to take and, you know, what success would look like for this. And so we did solve a lot of operational issues that were causing gaps in our data, um, we built out custom attribution models in-house. I had a, a contractor at the time. I basically just, um, you know, walked through all the business requirements, everything we were trying to accomplish um, throughout this process. And he was able to, you know, basically build out some custom SQL for us that did what a lot of companies charge a lot of money for. Um, and then we published those dashboards with the finished product, right? With um, robust documentation explaining how it all worked. And then we delivered like in-person training for all of this. So it was um, basically, that makes it sound very easy. It, it was a long journey, but that's essentially like what we did. 
Yep. I, I remember. I mean, one of the things about Avalar was like the company was very hands-on and everything. And especially in our group and, and on your team and my team, like we definitely wanted to know anything and everything about everything. And so it allowed us to go deep into things. But I still feel like there should have been better guidance all around. But but still, you know, we, we, we got to learn about all these things by firsthand experience, which was invaluable for everything else that we've done uh, since then. Basically, you know, from I would like to say from that day forward, we really never looked back at our old models again. Right. But like um, essentially what happened is we did all this work and put out the data and we didn't see widespread adoption throughout marketing, right? And it didn't fundamentally change how we looked at the business. So part of what I would like to do today, Asher, is maybe share a little bit about what I learned through this process. So other people trying to tackle multi-touch attribution don't make the same mistakes. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. So to walk us through, what would you do differently if you had the chance to go back and uh, I'm sure you would like to work with me again, but yes, Asher certainly. I would say let's let, let's put Asher in charge. Everything <laughs> would come out so differently. <laughs> All right, I of the jokes. What would what would you do differently? You know, like like uh, um, around this little project. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just I I know a lot more now, right? I certainly still don't have all the answers, but I feel like. This was just such a, a valuable project for me to learn like what not to do. And I think one of the first things that I would really push back on is the need for a multi-touch model before having other foundational data elements that give it the proper context for like true business relevance, right? So primarily, I think that's campaign level spend, right? You can't measure return on investment without spend data. It's... It's very difficult um, if you don't have the right granularity in your data to fine tune and find which campaigns to cut and which to invest more in, right? So you and I talked a little bit about descriptive metrics, right? And so when you don't have that data, you're stuck in descriptive metrics, um, which means looking at what happened in the past, right? So you're always looking backwards rather than being able to layer on predictive metrics that allow you to understand what will happen in the future if you increase or decrease spend in a specific area. And I think it's those types of metrics that really help marketers feel empowered. Second, better understand the questions we're trying to answer. Um, a lot of time you have people that will come, you know, to analytics teams and be very prescriptive with what they're looking for. And um, rather than just being really reactive to that, I have changed my mindset, right? And so since this experience, I've adopted the mantra, data that doesn't change behavior is meaningless, right? So all the nice to know stuff is like, oh, that's great. But like, there's a lot of work that goes into spinning up some of these data sources and dashboards. So if we don't really know how it can change what we do next, you know, to me, it's like, let's not act until we're ready to, until we really understand that. Um, what I recommend is I think some markers are already great at this, but I wish more people um, would kind of loosely adopt the scientific method, right? Where you develop a hypothesis, decide how you test it, and know how and when you'll measure, right? And that measuring is obviously where the data comes in. So it's just really gratifying to collaborate with people who work like this um, because I know they'll use the data and they'll give me feedback to make sure it's in the format they need for meaningful analysis. So I get to learn a lot then too. Um, 
And really, like if you don't have marketers that are analytically minded like that, then it's really important to be able to, when you are delivering a dashboard like we did with multi-touch, to package that with insights and recommendations. That sort of self-serve, like, hey, here you go, I built the dashboard, go figure out what it tells you. Like that model can be really difficult in some organizations and it wasn't ours. And I think that's why adoption suffered. So didn't have the resources for that at the time, but you know, we're in a place now where we do. So that makes me excited to to try and tackle multi-touch again in the future, um, you know, and take all the, the things I've learned not to do. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure more not to do is will come, come up, but I think, you know, got a lot better approach for it. Uh, for a V2, so. So what would a V2 look like if you had to put your finger on it? So I haven't been, you know, some other work that we've done is um, really just a prospect journey um, and customer journey where we tried to outline like all of the touch points, right? Rather than just saying like, here's how we're going to split the credit. I think it's important to understand like how long does it take? for our prospects to convert, you know, to a first time purchase. And then once they're a customer, right? Like how long does it, how long do they go before they purchase their next product, right? I think it's good to have kind of that more holistic understanding of what goes on in the first place. So we have some of that data. So I'd, I'd really like to combine that with the multi-touch. And I think packaging those together really gives marketers and really like our sales org as well, a better understanding of like, what is even happening out there, right? And how does it look different across different products or, you know, different industries, um, all of that kind of stuff. Um, The other things are just probably how we build the models. So I use Tableau every day. so many hours a day sometimes, but they also as an organization have, um, they're really open to sharing kind of how they do things internally, um, probably to get more people to buy Tableau, but I find a lot of inspiration um, from them. There was a session I attended at their 2018 conference where the presenters discussed how they were using like Markov chain modeling as part of their attribution. So I am not, you know, a statistician or really qualified to get into any in-depth details about this, but basically like a Markov chain estimates transition between states and how they apply that to marketing attribution is basically like you're looking at a conversion or a non-conversion, right? And so you can estimate how people move through channels and how they ultimately convert and consider the impact of removing like a channel. So it's really fascinating. Like there's an academic paper that they also referenced in this presentation um, you know, the, the model does well in objectivity, predictive accuracy, interpretability, versatility, and efficiency. So that's something um, I would definitely explore um, for a V2, kind of seeing how, because I think that fits so closely with kind of what I was talking about with the prospect journey and multi-touch. Based on what someone has already done, how does what they do next, you know, Im- impact their likelihood to convert? So I just think there's so many smart people that have worked on this topic. And so it definitely would just do a lot more in-depth um, research before I approach this again. It really sounds like a story where customer first, credit second should be the mantra. <laughs> yeah, right. Because how many times are we pushing people into like more campaigns where it's like, you know, is that a positive experience for the customer or they just keep coming back to the same channel because they keep getting targeted? 
by the same team, right? And like, how do we move people through the funnel more quickly and understand, you know, what content are they looking for? Like, what questions do they need answers to in their evaluation? Um, so I think that's why that that sort of prospect journey to complement the multi-touch, I think, can help marketers be more efficient as well. So, so if someone was starting today and they had this project in front of them, what should be their first step? I mean, I think, you know, it's a little bit what we already touched on. And I think it's really like, what are you knowing how you'll act? This is really for a lot of this, I would say is targeted toward leaders, right? Like if you're asking your analytics team for this, um, knowing what you'll do with the data, right? Having a hypothesis, like, this is what I think it's going to tell us. And if you do see what you expect, how will that change what you do the next day or the next week or the next month, right? Or if it doesn't confirm what you think, then, you know, then what will you do? Build a different model? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, I think it's just sometimes we have an idea and we think about, let's just execute this. But, you know, efficiency internally for analytics teams, I think is also important because, with so much data out there, there's so many questions that people have, but it's so important to prioritize what's going to have the biggest organizational impact. So I think, you know, I would definitely sit down um, with all of our leaders and kind of talk through that. You know, how will this change behavior? Superb. And, you know, what's interesting is about this podcast is normally people come and they give their framework and then they give their action items. The beautiful thing about this podcast is we actually went through all the mistakes that we've made so that people can extract their own framework for this. So thank you for doing I'm just that. Trying to set a new precedent for capture. I mean, yeah, there there are good things that did come out of it. You know, like I said, we solved a couple operational gaps. We're collecting the data that we'll need for, you know, and the model is still there. There are some people that are using it, but it's just not what it should be, right? So I think it's you know, reality that that is how a lot of projects turn out, you know, um, or so I'd like to believe I'm not the only one that has failed at, at implementing a wildly successful multi-touch attribution model. So. Superb. All right. Let's move towards a little bit of fun section of this podcast. The, if there was someone that we could invite to this podcast as a guest, who would you recommend? Um, so someone that I worked with pretty closely, um, you know, back in the, the earlier days is, and I haven't talked to him for a while, so he has no idea this is coming, but Scott Heinemann, um, he was in operations before he uh, moved on to a different company. Um, but he was, you know, I think someone that really understood the importance of having really some rigor around processes and data collection um, and how that's really important to understand um, how we make better decisions in sales and marketing, right? So that's who I'd say. I love Scott. <laughs> Him and I share the same birthday. So every October 19th, we exchange texts. <laughs> All right. So we always do this uh, towards the end of our podcast. If we were to condense this podcast to a hashtag, what would it be? Um, well, I think the theme, you know, this is probably a little bit longer hashtag, um, but, you know, hashtag more data is not the answer. So. Two words could not have been spoken. <laughs> you like to think 
more data. That's all we need if we just had this data. But, you know, it just comes back to like, you have to know or have an idea what you're going to do with the data. How will it change behavior? 100%. So Susan, thank you so much for sharing lessons from your past. As always, there are always people in our audience that want to connect with the guests. If somebody wanted to just reach out and say, hey, Susan, I went through this too, by the way, but can I just get five minutes of your time or 25 minutes of your time? Could people connect you? And if yes, where would how would they connect you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I am more than happy to talk about, you know, my experiences and, you know, hopefully learn from others as well. So easiest is probably LinkedIn, um, just Susan Norgard, or my Avalara email is just susan.norgard at avalara.com. So um, people can reach out and yeah, happy to kind of collaborate and share ideas and you know, there ha- have been some things that we have done well, so I would love to talk about those as well. So, Well, this is awesome. Once again, Susan, thank you so much for coming on to this show. Thank you for uh, being my Avalara comrade all those years, and uh, good luck with the rest of your journey. Yeah, thanks for having me, Asher. It's, uh, you know, nice to kind of relive some of these memories. And um, like I said, there's learning that's come from it, so it's it's not all bad. So thanks again. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.